0: Thank you for downloading this episode of the Teaching Methods podcast series brought to you by Teacher Magazine. I'm Jo Earp. Video conferencing technology has changed the face of distance education, but teaching to a camera rather than face-to-face requires additional skills. In this episode, I'm joined by Nikki Wren, Assistant Professor of Education at Ambrose University in Calgary, Canada. Wren and colleagues Dorit Mayo and Andrew McConney from Murdoch University in Australia have studied how educators delivering school lessons by video conference can best build a classroom presence and rapport with their remote students.
1: Nikki, welcome to Teacher Magazine. So the participants then, they were all secondary school teachers and students, weren't they? What kind of circumstances then were they using this video conferencing technology?
2: So they were in, actually across three different rural districts Mm -hmm. in Canada, in Western Canada. I'm actually originally from Australia and I grew up in a rural area in Western Australia, so I'm very passionate about reaching rural kids in uh, d- dispersed areas. In in Canada, education is a little bit different. It's a bit more decentralized in terms of its administration. And so we have these school divisions, and the, the urban areas have highly populated people and obviously big school divisions. But the rural divisions have struggled to maintain viable course, a variety of course offerings to high school students in their really uh, small schools. And sometimes in the case of... in this study, there was sometimes just a few students at each school. There were situations where a teacher would have a normal class, sometimes up to 30 students right in front of them. And then uh, they may have another class of six or seven in a remote location. I saw some where there'd be like three or four students in front of them and then five different locations also videoing in. And then I also saw a a teacher who was two teachers who were just operating out of a, a single office and would teach to students who are in an entire classroom somewhere else. So, yeah, there was lots of different uh, things I observed. Most of it was focused, though, on that what we would call uh, simultaneous delivery of face-to-face and video conference, and that had some very interesting things that came up. We found it uh, what I'd consider to be called non-parallel delivery because, you, like you said, you're doing two different kinds of teaching at, at the same time. You're interacting with kids face-to-face and that has its own challenges and pedagogical challenges, and then you're also dealing with a two-dimensional set of students
1: that are a remote, and, of course, you're two-dimensional to those students as well. One of the things that I picked up on the report was, um, uh, like you said, a face-to-face and online at the same time. Some of the students felt like they were just in the audience, so to speak, and, and, it, and they, they felt sort of more included depending on where the camera was placed, didn't they?
2: Yeah, exactly. It was uh, quite a surprising finding. I was watching one class over an entire year, and at the first semester, the teacher had the camera at the back of the classroom, so the sorry, the television at the back of the classroom, so behind her, I think she had 27 or so students, and the remote students knew that that's where their, their camera or their TV was placed, and so their peers, they could turn around and, and look at, their peers that were remote, but they basically were sort of in the back of the classroom. And the teacher actually thought that perhaps the students would feel more far away from her because as I said the camera and the T V were away in the back of the classroom. And so the next semester, she moved the camera and the T V right in front of her in front of her desk. And that way she could more quickly turn to the camera and address her students. But interestingly The students didn't like it. I asked them uh, to compare the two semesters, and they said suddenly they felt like that 27 students were looking at the back of their heads. Even though they knew they were two-dimensional, they felt very intimidated by this idea of where they were placed in the classroom, even on a two-dimensional screen. And while they they were able to see their teacher more clearly in terms of a class community, they felt better about actually having the TV back in the back of the classroom. That was very surprising because I was expecting them to prefer to be closer
1: to their teacher. In terms of video conferencing, that throws up a few challenges, doesn't it, in terms of developing the presence, if you'd call it, the teacher presence in the classroom, and also that rapport with the students. So what did you find from your study in terms of some of the challenges that that were highlighted? So, We call this uh, construct presence,
2: which has been talked about in different ways in the literature of distance ed before, basically the way I conceptualized it was the idea of feeling that you're there physically when you're not there. So it's like bridging that, what I call a um, pedagogical divide that's sort of often a real divide of hundreds and hundreds of kilometers. And the challenges were obviously, like you said, building that face-to-face rapport, particularly between teacher and student. Uh, there were some very real logistical challenges, as you can well imagine, like just uh, making available assignments. And yeah, there was a lot of stuff you could you know, put onto a learning management system and transfer fairly easily that way. But when it comes to exams and tests and assignments back and forth that had to be hand-delivered, there was some logistical challenges that had a, required a lot of preparation. Teachers as well felt like they couldn't teach in as much as an ad hoc way. There's a certain degree of you know, you prepare as a teacher, and then there's a whole lot of just stuff that happens in the classroom that you roll with as you go. But when you you're sort of performing on a screen as well, there had to be a lot more preparation. So teachers were a struggle struggled with the challenge of of a lot more upfront preparation for these for these lectures. So um,
1: per se. And so for those people who are using this kind of teaching method and this kind of technology, what about some practical tips then? Your research highlighted some pretty easy things actually that teachers can do to help build that rapport, isn't it?
2: Yeah, there's a, there are, they seem like very obvious things, but they're stuff that you have to pay attention to in your day-to-day classes when you're working in a video conference. The first one, for example, would be uh, this sort of sense of overcompensation for the remote students when you're building relationships, and that includes almost overusing their names. Uh, Normally when someone comes into a class, you do a lot of like just nodding and saying, oh, hi, how's your day? But in a video conference, it really helped if uh, you actually called out the name, you know, Jimmy, great to see you in class today. And how was your weekend, Jimmy? And you sort of, that really helps that person feel like they are real and they exist and they're not just a two-dimensional screen in the back of the room. There are some other things in terms of creating that sense of being a, a 3D person in a real space was, to actually give some clues about your, your space and where you are talking about what it looks like outside the window, for example, what kind of classroom you're in, using the camera to sort of show your remote students the space that they're being videoed into is really helpful. And helping your students that are actually right there in the classroom to know how to relate to the students on the screen is helpful too. So getting them to use their names really sort of helped to bridge that, that gap. So some of the other practical ways that uh, teachers can help to mitigate some of the challenges include just thinking about the the act of teaching on a screen and what that looks like on the other side. And So that has to do with how you use your voice, how you move about the room, and also just trying to humanize a little bit the presentation by using humor and uh, using self-disclosure for telling stories about yourself, I mean students love to hear about their teachers but it's is particularly powerful over a video conference. It personalises the situation, so you know, we found that students really appreciated when their teachers told jokes and and actually had some downtime in the video conference. So it wasn't just pure lecture, and there was this sort of downtime where students could maybe make some jokes. I know my students used to play practical jokes on my my near students, used to play practical jokes on my fast students by putting signs up in front of the camera and. Um, making faces at them. And it seemed like some silliness by grade 11, 12 students, but actually it really helped to build community and a sense of both students being real to each other. So, yeah, just uh, teachers need to be aware of the fact that they are being videoed in and and to kind of consider what it looks like on the other side of a screen. So, yeah, there's uh, looking, watching themselves back on the video is really helpful. They get to see that you you don't want to be running all over the classroom and bouncing around too much. It's difficult to watch that on a screen. So, yeah, lots of sort of just basic uh, video screen rules uh, apply in a situation that teachers don't normally think about when they're in front of a face-to-face class.
1: Uh, one of the other things that I was thinking about was uh, you mentioned about um, uh, voice and, you know, moving around the classroom and so on. And as a teacher, you'd normally sort of give a, uh, in terms of feedback, it'd be more informal. You might give a little nod or a, or a look. or and, and, of course, they're not going to be able to see that, are they?
2: No, exactly, and giving feedback or being able to sort of pick up those subtle emotive clues that a student's not getting it or they're a bit confused or they're maybe angry or uh, messing around, getting bored, it, they are more difficult to to pick up. Some of the strategies I saw that were working really well was one teacher kept a list of all her students and, and she actually would text her students back and forth. Now, she didn't have a lot of students in the, in the remote side, but she was able to just like quickly send texts to them on their phones and just... You know, she would send a text and watch them beep and they sort of like call to attention and they're able to even just quietly and privately sort of text back. So, no, I'm a little bit confused. Can you just clarify that question? Or, um, And she found that very effective for making students feel comfortable to ask questions and to seek feedback and for her to be able to give feedback without it being public, publicly broadcast. This sort of public broadcast piece is very difficult for the remote students because they, yeah, like you don't want to, put your hand up in front of everybody and, and say, I don't get it, and have a teacher you know, publicly live say, well, you know, uh, let me give you some extra explanation for that. For some students, that's very intimidating. And so, yeah, this list of strategies around using alternate technologies or supporting technologies to help give feedback and, and very immediately actually really help those remote students.
1: That's great. Well, we've, we've covered some of the uh, some of the main points from the study and uh, we'll put the link on to, uh, you've got a journal publication as well of this, which has got a lot more detail in, so we'll put that link on with this transcript as well. But uh, for now, Assistant Professor Nikki Wren, uh, thanks very much for joining Teacher Magazine. Excellent. Thank
0: you very much. I appreciate chatting with you. To download all of the Teacher Magazine podcasts for free, visit acer.ac forward slash iTunes or www.soundcloud.com forward slash teacher acer. To find out more about the research discussed in this podcast and to access the latest articles, videos and infographics, visit www.teachermagazine.com.au.